and welcome to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, chartered psychologist and coach. And in this episode, we're going to return to a challenging topic, um, but it's one that's very relevant to both uh, the overarching theme of this podcast and the time of year that we're in right now. And that's loneliness at work. But before we go any further, I'm delighted to welcome a special guest to the podcast. I'm joined by Dr. Sarah Wright, an expert on the topic of loneliness at work. Sarah is an associate professor at the University of Canterbury in New Zealand. Um, Sarah, it's wonderful to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. It's early in the morning here and I'm doing really well. Fantastic. Could you um, tell us just a little bit about yourself, um, your your professional focus and, and how you've come uh, to be doing what you do today? So I trained as an organisational psychologist and initially worked at in a consultancy firm called Accenture and worked for some other smaller consultancy firms before moving into academia. My professional focus is on relationships at work uh, it's what I teach and it's what I research about. And I'm really interested in how social connection and relationships develop at work and how they really impact our day-to-day life, um, both positively and negatively. And I see it on a day-to-day basis, how much relationships can really help and hinder us at work. So I started working in the broad area and focused on stress and well-being, but the more I focused And on the research, I realized it's all about relationships um, and the lack of them uh, in the workplace uh, can be a really a primary determinant of our overall well-being. It's really interesting, that journey from uh, looking at stress, which is a really common topic, a really popular topic because it's an issue, and then arriving at this core uh, area of relationships and what an absence of of relationships does. Personally speaking, as a as a um, as a researcher, what is it about this topic of loneliness that is particularly interesting to you? Well, I think it's such a taboo topic that we don't talk about it very often. But the more I talk to people, the more I realise how common it is and has been for a long time. COVID has brought it out into the public arena a lot more. Um, But I guess I'm really interested in how the disconnection starts in the first place and how it's developed over time. Uh, Because for some people, it's really debilitating. And for other people, it's only a fleeting experience. So I'm interested in, in how it becomes really debilitating versus just a fleeting feeling. That's really interesting because so many people, you mentioned COVID there, so many people will have identified with uh, some feelings of isolation or disconnection um, with people because they were potentially under a lockdown uh, condition. And yet that ended um, for for most people and they were able to, to reconnect. So many people can identify with what it feels like to to have that level of disconnection. But one of the things I encounter when I talk about this topic is that it's not about not being surrounded by people. It's not about um, being alone as such. It's about that connection and how much of that you want versus how much you get. So it sort of flies in the face of some of the images we might have about a lonely person. We could have a lonely person yeah. in the middle of a crowd. Absolutely. And 
you know, I encountered this topic when I was working in the consultancy space and someone told me that they felt lonely and I was taken aback at the time because to my mind, this person had it all. They had, they were working in a very successful position. They had a family. They had everything, all the hallmarks that you'd think would make them happy and healthy in their lives, but they felt that they were really lonely. Uh, and so it made me st start thinking about, well, it's, it's, it's not about these stereotypical aspects of life. You know, we think about the, the retired person living alone as being the loneliest, but research shows that they're the least lonely. Um, and that younger people, sort of 18 to 30 year olds are experiencing the most lonely. And yet they are potentially the most connected. Um, of all the generations, but it's not actually uh, the younger generations are struggling with loneliness a lot more, and it's perceived that they have higher levels of connection uh, because of social media. Uh, but it's it's about face to face contact and being filled up on a daily basis with relational connection. Uh, and so, it, and and if you're not around the right people who are who are giving that to you, then it can be a real struggle for people. Is that if you go into work and you you feel unvalued, unappreciated, uh, and you there is very little social connection at work, then it's not likely you're going to experience a whole lot of well-being. And so we might have a situation where our stereotypes about loneliness need challenging. Um, and we may well uh, need to rethink what we assume people are experiencing. They may look really well connected, but maybe that's a lot of uh, many shallow connections, like you might have on a social network. You might have hundreds of people you're connected to, but maybe missing out on the deeper interactions with people that you as an individual are really craving. Yeah, that's right. And it can come out in surprising ways. So For example, if you're making a decision at work that's really tough and impacts other people that you're working with, you can feel quite vulnerable and that vulnerability can make you feel alone. So you're surrounded by people, but the interactions you're having mean that you're separate and that separateness makes you feel vulnerable. So absolutely, it's all about, um, it's all about perceptions. That latter example is one that I'm very familiar with when coaching senior executives, regardless of the sort of topic we're working on, um, their sense of separation from everybody else uh, normally mm -hmm. comes into the conversation at some point, whether it's not having someone they could confide in or a feeling that they need to Uh, maintain, uh, you know, sort of stiff upper lip or can't really show how they're feeling because they have so few peers. And of those peers, um, there's a bit of a, a food chain, you know, people are trying to outperform each other. So being able to be honest and open is really quite difficult. And if we were to look at their lives from the outside, we would think they've got it made. But actually, something yeah. quite core to us as humans is missing. Absolutely. And that's that, that vulnerability that can really impact our loneliness. We're doing some research at the moment with some um, CEOs in North America, and that's exactly what they say uh, in terms of 
the most difficult aspect. They don't necessarily think of them. Their expectations are that they won't necessarily have deeply meaningful connections with their colleagues because of that separateness. But it creates this um, inability for them to seek support when they need it. So whilst they have an ex- low expectations for meaningful connection, they're also left vulnerable without that support, especially when they're making really hard decisions. And so we might think of lots of different people in the workplace who could all experience loneliness for different reasons. Um, there's a subjective element to this, a subjective evaluative element to this. We're lonely for different reasons. And their experience of loneliness will differ, as you said earlier, from a, a short period through to something that impacts them um, more significantly and hangs around for, for a longer time. Being slightly dispassionate about this, why is it a problem? Why do we need to focus on loneliness and address it? Because we can identify it as something we don't like to feel, but there's lots of things we don't like to feel. So why is loneliness such a problem? Well, we see the problem in its outcomes. So we see the changes to our behavior when we feel lonely. We see the effect on our overall well-being, and we see how loneliness can actually make us more disconnected over time. It's a vicious cycle in terms of how we we feel lonely, therefore we disconnect even more, and it makes us more isolated and lonely. And so for for most of us, work is a is a big chunk of our time that we spend every day. And if we are spending time in an environment where we don't have any meaningful social connections, it can be really isolating. Uh, And that isolation and loneliness, the research has shown that it has an impact on our, like I said before, our interpersonal uh, relationships. But it can also really hinder collaboration in teams. It can uh, prevent creativity and more innovative thinking uh, because when we're lonely, we become a lot more insular. Uh, and it also in, it has a cause and effect with the environment, the, the organisational culture that we're in. So there's some research uh, by Cassiopo that suggests that loneliness is contagious. So within a social network like an organisation, if there's people who are disconnected and feeling lonely, it's, it's going to have a knock-on effect through their behaviours with other people. Um, and then you've sort of got this fragmented social network. Um, so it has impacts at the individual level, which is problematic, but it also has impacts at the organisational level, which you can see in its outcomes. And that's, I think, probably very interesting to the listeners of this podcast who, um, just like I did before I, I started looking at this topic, had some probably from preconceived notions about what loneliness is. It's definitely a taboo topic, and it's one that many people don't feel comfortable talking about. But to understand that it goes beyond the individual and impacts the team and all of the knock-on effects of that should really bump loneliness up the league table of topics that organizational leaders should make themselves aware of, you know, um, up there with all of the other well-being topics that uh, organizations need to focus on. We're, we're about to go into Mental Health Awareness Week. 
I'd really love to unpack a little bit about the 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 impact that loneliness can have on our mental health um maybe not you know a day of feeling disconnected but over the longer term how does it impact us well you'll see that coming with your uh with your new coaching sessions uh but the research has shown that uh social isolation as you say over a longer period of time rather than those fleeting moments um can contribute to stress so if you think about Going into your work, and if you're highly stressed, if you're connected with other people, they can mitigate that stress and help mitigate that stress. Without those relationships and without that support, you're much more likely to feel stress and anxiety. So anxiety increases with loneliness. And over the longer term, it also can turn into depression. Uh, And that's hard to untangle the loneliness from the depression because they feed each other. Um, and it's important to, to stress, though, that the, if these outcomes are associated with long-term social isolation and disconnection, um, the sense that the sadness, the hopelessness, and the despair comes from feeling disconnected over a long time. Uh, but we can see... In the, in the shorter term, particularly for younger workers, that loneliness tends to go hand in hand with a feeling of low self-worth. So we don't feel valuable or valued in our work um, because that's a big aspect of our mental health is feeling, feeling of usefulness to other people and feeling valued. Um, and so it can create this really vicious cycle of Um, loneliness affects our self-esteem and our self-confidence and once we're feeling that way we're not likely to then have the confidence to go and meet new people and make those connections that are really important to our mental health. And so um, lots of the words that get used every year when we have mental health awareness week have have just been explored there loneliness is like a golden thread running through lots of those things and yet may not be thought of as a root cause for for some people's experience of anxiety or depression and so it's worth flagging it as a, a potential contributor to those things um I'm I'm really conscious it can be quite a, a difficult topic to talk about. Let's let's maybe turn the the corner and look at the, the more positive side of what we know about this. Um, what is it that you wish more uh, members of the general public and um, leaders and organisations understood about the experience of loneliness? Well, I think the important thing to think about is that we wouldn't feel lonely if we didn't want to connect. So loneliness is a way of our bodies and our minds telling us that we need to change and that we need to something in our environment or something in our thought processes needs uh, to change in some way. It's a signal just like pain is a signal that we need to do something. So I also would like people to realize that it's really common. You know, I've spent years and years talking to lonely people and of course I've got a, a, a biased sample in terms of who I'm talking to because they're already lonely but it's it, these feelings of uh, disconnection are not uncommon um, and like you said before they're across 
all jobs, you know, no one is immune from loneliness. It can happen to anyone at any time. Uh, and when we're lonely, we do go into protective mode. So what I would like people to think about it is rather than it being this taboo topic that I'm the only one that's experiencing it, remember that it's a really common problem uh, across all facets of life. Um, and that when we're lonely, we tend to think that something's wrong with us. And I see that particularly with younger workers, that I'm lonely because it's my fault that there's something happening to me that makes me, other people don't want to connect with me. But the more research I've done over the years suggests that it's actually the work environment and our work practices that influence our loneliness more than people think. So if you're put into a line of work that's very transactional, where there's no interdependence with other people, you just need to do your work and then you're finished. It's unlikely that you'll have the opportunity to connect and that loneliness can sort of seep in because of those work practices um, or cultures, organisational cultures, which really foster individualism and competitiveness. Over time, they can be really disconnecting and, and fragment relationships and threaten our well-being because of those fragmented relationships. So I want people to realise that it's not just them. You know, it's it's factors beyond sometimes their control that might be influencing their loneliness. So our interpretation of our own experience is really important, how we interpret what's happening to us, because if we didn't have the word for loneliness, we might describe what we're feeling and thinking about our situation to a whole host of different things. And I imagine because of the taboo nature of, of the word, some people, it might not occur to them that it's loneliness they're experiencing. It's maybe, I don't have the skills for this job, or I don't have the social skills for people to want to connect with me, or I'm in the wrong business, when in fact, what they're feeling is that... that um, that alarm, if you like, you know, you need to do something about this rather than yeah. you're the wrong person in the wrong place. That's right. Exactly. It can be, as long as it's not coupled with depression, loneliness can be a really powerful motivator to signal that we need to change. Um, and that could be our environment or it could be us. I think that's a really um, useful and fresh way of looking at this. I often describe uh, with my clients how emotions are like a blinking light on the dashboard. They're telling us something, but we need to understand what that is and what we're going to do about that. And maybe we could add a blinking light marked lonely so we could think, okay, that's telling me something, but I really do need to think this through and decide what I'm going to do differently as a result of knowing this. Um, I think that yeah. the the fact that it's such a common experience could go some way to helping people um, feel it's less taboo. But um, I think if we can um, push uh, forward this conversation, this narrative, um, that it is really common and we can do things about it. L let's imagine uh, someone listening to this has realized, okay, yes, actually, it's loneliness I've been feeling for the past few weeks or months at work. What kind of things could they do to make a start on changing their situation? Well, the first thing I would recommend is that they read our workbook. And mm -hmm. uh, there's some really good ideas in there uh, that can help people start 
thinking about loneliness from a different perspective. My main advice would be try and think about the main source of the loneliness. Where do you think it's coming from? Because that will help you identify where to start. And you can ask the question, do I need to work on me? Or do I need to work and my thoughts and my interactions and my interpretations? Or do I need to change my environment? Do I need to operate in a different way in this environment to help my social connections? Um, I had a, a PhD student last year, and she was Natasha Zimmerman, and she was working on research around belongingness at work. And her research consistently found that it's the small things we do on a day-to-day basis that can really help social connection. And those small things could be as as minimal as greeting someone when you turn up to work and having someone greet you. It's a good way to start the day. Um, without that, it's very disconnecting and very transactional. So we turn up to work, we do our work and we leave. Um, but if, it, if, if you're think, thinking about loneliness and you're starting to have some really negative thoughts about yourself and your own confidence, um, then those are thoughts that need to be challenged. If you're feeling rejected in your social environment, challenge those thoughts. Are you being rejected or is it your interpretation? Um, and what the, the small things that we can do to be proactive and take these small steps. So it might be that you are working from home a lot or work, working remotely and you're, you're not feeling um, that you have an outlet to talk about your work in the way that you might if you spontaneously chatted to someone in the workplace. Um, so it might be that you just have, have to have the courage to make a small step like inviting an individual out for a coffee or a lunch, um, meeting them somewhere, and just starting with those small steps. Um, Another way that we can create these what we call micro-connections on a day-to-day basis is trying to have a little bit of fun with colleagues now that might sound benign but if you can have a joke it builds camaraderie and that camaraderie gets us out of that vicious cycle now as long as not the fun is not directed at somebody um, and making fun of somebody the um, social connections can really be bolstered in shared when we have shared experiences and what i'm seeing with homeworking and remote working is that we're having less of those shared experiences at work and those spontaneous mm. social connections. Um, so that would be my main advice is to, to use a building block approach, start with small steps and, and focus in on building alliances with, uh, with people that you can trust um, and just do it one person at a time. I really like the sound of that. Uh, it, it also echoes... You know, when I'm working with individuals who want to make changes, we always emphasize it's about course correction, not reinvention. You know, making small mm. little nudges to your direction of travel are easier, but you can also see how well they're working rather than deciding 
as of the first of the month, I'm going to be a completely different person because mm. that's simply not sustainable. We, we can't, uh, we can't manage to do that for very long. So the good news is some very small things could make a difference. Um, it needn't be a permanent situation. And that, um, you know, that feeling of loneliness can spur us on to take some helpful action if we interpret it as a signal rather than, um, that we are doomed to something, uh, some permanent state. Yeah, absolutely. And the same goes for managers or team leaders who are struggling to know how to manage their teams that they might think they might not necessarily think about loneliness, but they think, gosh, my team is not connecting in the way that they would want their team to connect with, um, connect with each other. And a, a colleague of mine at in Boston University, Connie Headley, has suggested that creating a core team can really help with loneliness. And so within your team, it, I think she calls it a home team, and they can be identified geographically or um, you can connect virtually. But you develop strong relationships within that team and the team leader or manager um, can help this by doing regular check-ins that are not just about the work but about not necessarily loneliness but about more personal topics um, and just those check-ins to make it normalized to start talking about these things so the onus is then not just on the individual team member to, to put their hand up and say I'm feeling lonely which is unlikely to happen uh, but you can create an environment where you can start talking about um, these more personal topics and not feel threatened or stigmatized because of it so it can can be both loneliness in the workplace can be tackled by the individual but we can also think about how other people particularly in senior roles can help individuals work through a process to create social connections. So it, it strikes me, based just on that point, that the work leaders are doing out there to, for example, increase uh, estimates of psychological safety will help people talk about these difficult topics because mm. they'll feel they're in a safe environment, um, even if the topic is difficult. So, uh, and of course, we know that you know, precursor to psychological safety is developing quality one-to-one relationships with people. So these things sound like they could support each other, but dumping all of the terminology to one side, it's about connecting with other humans, isn't it? Absolutely it is. And, you know, we're not expecting team leaders and managers and, and uh, senior leaders and organizations to be psychologists and to be able to read behavior, but it's also like you say, take out all the terminology. It's just about connecting with other people on a personal level. And that goes a long way to removing all of the, the problems and, and, and mental health issues with loneliness. So it's it's both uh, simple and complex at the same time. It's people stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it all is. It all is. But I think you make an excellent point that, you know, people who are responsible for other people in the workplace can keep an eye out um, for connection or disconnection 
And yet at the same time, we need to be careful that we're not using ourselves as a benchmark or making assumptions about people. You know, a typical one I encounter is because someone is quiet, mm. that they are lacking in social skills and therefore they're going to feel lonely. So we should involve them in more stuff. Well, mm. they didn't ask for any of this, no. so, but instead looking for um, the risk of someone being disconnected by the way the work is designed or how um, remote someone is geographically from other people, for example. That's right. And absolutely, you make a really good point because loneliness doesn't happen in a spark. It usually happens over time. So if you're responsible for a team, it might be seeing changes over time. Like, oh, we used to um, have regular meetings and we used to meet for lunches and all of that has died away and not we've not re- reunited it uh, and so it's looking for those changes and also you bring up a really important point about expectations so some people don't necessarily need a lot of social connection um, neither did they want it they go to work to work and they don't want any of this fun and social connection we're talking about you know it's just not them um, and we have to respect that, of course. And but there's other people for which it's really important, and I guess they're the ones that we need to worry about uh, in terms of any kind of subtle intervention we might make. Um, because if their expectations for relationships are high and their need to connect is really high, and it's it's missing the mark, then that's problematic for them. And, and that comes back to our point that what works for me may not work for you or because I'm feeling connected. It doesn't mean you'll feel connected just because you're on my team. It's a subjective evaluation of the situation. Um, but Absolutely. so many of the things we've mentioned today are amenable to change. We can change our expectations. We can change our behavior. Uh, we can change what we pay attention to. This needn't be um, a label that sticks to us forever or even for a very long time if we can become aware of it and talk about it absolutely the more we can talk about it the more it becomes normalized and it's not this private taboo topic that we need to uh, hide away somewhere i i wonder um how many conversations in personal development uh, sessions or in coaching or uh, career development have swerved around this topic in the way that sometimes stress management is called performance improvement Mm. um that you know loneliness is is just being avoided um completely and you know hopefully more people will feel that it is on the table for discussion and that interpersonal relationships are well they're core to us as people we're you know we're humans but that it's an acceptable topic for conversation if you're looking after people this is on the table. I think so. And it it can really help um, people give them permission to build those supportive structures around them for whatever they might need. Um, and that can be for themselves or you can think about, because sometimes loneliness can, because it makes us feel really insular, we forget to think about, other people so we're focused very much on our needs not being met 
One way out of loneliness, because you just sparked an idea um, of some research that, I'm, that I've done in the past, is about actually can helping other people, even if you're still feeling lonely and you think that won't necessarily help with your loneliness, if you reach out and offer to help somebody else, whether it be in a, in a volunteer role or in the workplaces that you put your hand up to volunteer for a particular role or task, helping other people can help us get out of that spiral because we start focusing in on the other rather than just focusing in on ourselves. And so we might not have a conversation about loneliness, but we might have a conversation about how can I help? How can I, how can I connect with that team or how can I um, work in that capacity? And so it is a conversation about social connection and wanting that, but it's framed as a way of helping other people and getting into other people's lives. That's so interesting because we also know that um, in the world of human resilience, actually volunteering and giving other people social support contributes to our own resilience. It helps mm. us through helping others. So this is a really interesting mechanism. So there's, there's lots of things people can do. Now, you mentioned um, our guide, and um, I just want to let listeners know that that's available for download um, on the website, worklifecycle.com slash connect and thrive along with a bunch of other resources we've gathered together there um i'll put a link in the show notes to that and we haven't put it behind any kind of um, sign up form or we don't want to know who you are you can download it but we'd love to hear from you if you're using it and you find it useful um i'd really love to hear from you if you've got questions about it or if you have valuable resources you'd like us to add to the website because uh, while we cover a few different countries there, you'll see it's far from global. So if you have local resources about loneliness at work or social connection, um, we'd love to add them so others can see it too. Sarah, it's been great to chat with you about this. I really appreciate your early start because of our, our time difference. It's It's been um, really fantastic to do this face-to-face. Before we wrap up, um, any final thoughts you'd like ringing in the ears of our listeners before they press stop on this episode? I would challenge everyone today to go and connect with someone who they've wanted to connect with for a while, to have the courage to just go and have a coffee with them and take charge of your own social connection and make, make it a better world for everybody. Well, that's lovely. That's really, really lovely. And um, I've just thought of someone that I'm going to get in touch with as soon as I finish this recording, actually. So thank you for that. Um, Sarah, thanks for your time, your expertise. Uh, listeners, you know that we love to hear from you. So you can uh, get in touch with us on all the social channels. You can send us uh, an email, podcast at worklifepsych.com. Whatever way you'd like to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you, your questions, your comments, your thoughts on this particular topic and as ever thank you for listening